All right, stop what you're doing, because I'm about to tell you that this next episode has its share of curse words. Viewer discretion is advised. I, wait, so when you said three bulbs of garlic, did you mean- Oh, not a bulb. You motherfucker. <laughs> did you put a whole bulb? I put a whole bulb on. I was like, okay. All right, you said bulb. I'm sorry. I didn't do three. That would have been a lot. I mean, so this is like mad garlicky, but hey, I, like, I mean, it's good. This thing could be your food. Greetings, my fellow food and music lovers. Welcome to This Band Can Be Your Food. I'm your host, Nathan Palin. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for coming back. All that stuff. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Did you prepare and or eat as much food as I did? Holy smokes. We did the Friends Thanksgiving over at my place because most of my relatives are nowhere near the New York City area. And we chose to skip all the madness of flying and blah, blah, blah. So that was great. Had some friends over. Made a 20-pound turkey for about eight adults and three children. And so tonight we're going to be having uh, turkey enchiladas. Delicious. You got to be creative with your leftovers because you don't want to throw any stuff away, right? That's the game I'm constantly playing. How can we make this food that's been sitting in the refrigerator for way too long interesting? It's already interesting. When you look at it, because it's not exactly the color and consistency as it was when we first put in the refrigerator, but still, starving children out there. I always love that when people are like, oh, they're starving children, so you have to eat all this food. Wouldn't it be great? I mean, I still feel in my heart, I'm every time I eat all of the food and eat myself into a food coma, it's like, well, I had to do it because there's starving children out there. And because I ate all this food, that kid is not as hungry as he was before. Right? You feel that way too? Why? Why do we feel that way? Who told us this? Why are we holding on to it? It's not true. No amount of food that I'm going to eat is going to make any of those kids nourished. (laughs) But whatever. Turkey enchiladas tonight. This week we're going to dive into Washington D.C.'s Fugazi. One of the most influential underground bands of our generation. My generation. Maybe yours as well. You can be a part of it if you'd like. But they're the guys when MTV was hitting and alternative music was big. These guys said, nope, we want no part of it. We already got our own label and that's fine. That's a, you know, Fugazi is a band that's not going to be eating all the leftovers to save the children who are hungry. These are the guys who are going to take a modest plate in the first place. They're going to go, no, I only need this amount of food. And they're probably only going to take the vegetables. I shouldn't generalize, come on. Joining me this week is a fellow I've known for a long time, good friend, Peter Heinemann. He was actually living in the D.C. area when all this stuff was going on. So he has some really insightful bits of information. We're not going to just talk about Fugazi because when you talk about Fugazi, there's just so much surrounding that band. The community that they helped put together, I mean, they're not just a band. They put together an entire movement. And I'm fortunate enough to know somebody who was involved with that movement so it's a really great conversation and i'm really looking forward to you listening to it it's also very very long however before we have that talk i just wanted to let you know i'm delighted to announce that we have our first sponsor ladies and gentlemen let me tell you about izzy's coffee they're a well-known shop out in Asheville, north carolina if you've ever been there it's a lovely little place they have an amazing music scene art scene not to mention my favorite place to grab a coffee 
They've been a staple of the downtown Asheville scene for a decade or two, featuring a great down-home cup of coffee or shot of espresso. Did I say espresso? I did. That's incorrect. Espresso. But just don't ask for one of those pour-overs. They're not your trendy hoity-toity kind of place. No, they're the real deal. It's family-owned. And I know the family. They're real good people. And these days, whenever you can spend your hard-earned dollars on a non-corporate entity, well, the hard-working folks there will be humbled that you did. So, Asheville, head over to one of the two Izzy's locations, whichever one suits you best, and tell them Nathan sent you. I mean, maybe they probably never met me. Unless it's Ross or Kristen, or their kids, Tennedy or Bubba. Yes, their kid's name is Bubba. How do you not support that? All right, Izzy's Coffee. Go get a cup or two. I'm drinking a cup right now. I'm on my third. It was a long night. Cheers. All right, let's get on with this conversation about Fugazi. Ready? One, two, three, go. So, man. How is um, how's Massachusetts? Massachusetts is um, a truly cursed state in a lot of ways. <laughs> it's just a, it is a. That's what they say. It, no, it's a, there's there's a lot of good things about Massachusetts, um, yeah. especially compared to you know living in New York City where uh, we were together. Um, yes, we were, uh, and we started a uh, we started a band together. We it was it was more than a band. That was it a was movement. that it was, was a. It was a movement that we just didn't um, have the opportunity to really see flourish, but yeah. we had some wonderful moments. It was an, it was an, this is, listen, folks, it was an yeah. indie rock karaoke live band experience. I mean, it experience. was really it was, about yes. the indie rock experience. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, and much like Fugazi, we had a lot of rules about <laughs> what songs we were allowed yeah. to play, which uh, constituted. And um, I remember getting into like a, like a, a pretty heated verbal disagreement with a DJ, somebody like telling him about him doing that. And he's like, what do you consider indie rock? What about right. like Animal Collective? And I'm really like, mad. yeah, I'm like, yeah, maybe, but who's going to be singing Animal Collective songs? You know, now maybe, <laughs> I mean, that was so long ago that now yeah. maybe that's, that's now classic rock, you know? Yeah. It was beautiful. That was a beautiful thing. It really, it really was. was. It was it, so much fun. And if you believe it, which you probably, maybe you can, that was the yeah. last time. I got anywhere near an instrument or played in a band. Is it really? Yeah, and and then this year I started a band for the first time, and you know, however long ago that was, you know, yeah, seven, you, seven eight years. Your your so, dad rock hardcore band. It's so I'm I'm so I'm <laughs> in heaven. Inspired inspired, you know, quite quite um, uh, ostensibly by Fugazi and by Minor Threat, you know, by sure. just like like uh, the the idea being. Hardcore spent that time, and mm-hmm. well, really always has been the about youth, right? It's been about you yeah. know, and hardcore. And then <laughs> then emo I grew into was all about like I'm young, I don't get to do what I want. Yes, um, you know, all these feelings I don't know what to do with. Yeah. yeah, and and like mom will let me whatever it is that she will let me do, <laughs> and you know, yeah. um, and I just thought, what if that was flipped around? You know what I mean? Like, what is the perspective of the parent? All, yeah. We're also trapped, you know what I mean. Like as I become a parent, as I become a middle-aged man, like like we're sure. we're as trapped as those teenagers are, man. Like, yes, exactly. And you have these expectations as a child that yeah. you now like yeah. like 
imprint upon your children <laughs> yeah. that you want you want them to be doing something, and when yeah. when they don't grasp it, you're having like a multi complex situation where it's you want to do the right thing and steer yeah. them in the right way, and you want them to be themselves, but you're just like, yeah. what's wrong with you? <laughs> but that I mean, for typical for most at least for our parents' generation, that turned into self-loathing or general loathing. Like either one. Like one of them, basically like one or the other. Whereas, you know, we should get mad. Like we should be mad about this. We should be, you know, we should be (laughs) pissed that we're living in this world that, and that we're the purveyors of sure. the world now. You know, we're the we're the owners and operators. We're the, we're the small business owners. Exactly. Of, we of don't have anybody else to complain to. So. And yet, and yet we didn't. And yet, it's not. We didn't. You know, come up with this system. You know what no. I mean? Like we didn't right. say like you know, yeah. homeowners associations should really decide everything. Like we you know we didn't <laughs> we didn't vote for that. Yes. Anyway. Yeah. There's always somebody else that's supposed to be in charge of taking care of these things. That mm-hmm. really, in the end, we're supposed to be taking care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Bring in Fugazi. Mm-hmm. They took care of everything themselves. They did it all themselves, right. which yeah. is, you know, I don't know if anybody's, it, it seemed to be kind of the path that they carved for all of us future generations, sort of in a way that they weren't able to even predict. You know, now in the internet age and, you know, uh, social media and, and take away the fact that, you know, obviously Fugazi isn't going to be participating in any of that stuff, but you know, they existed in a way where they said, you know, we are going to ignore all of the norms. You know, we want to avoid major record labels, you know, today, like what are record labels? What, what is their meaning and value in like today's mm-hmm. up and coming rock musicians or whatever? Um, but then, you know, they're the ones that built the wall and said, you know, we don't want it. We don't want a part of it. You know, maybe they were foreseeing the fact that they weren't going to sustain themselves in the first place. And sure enough, you know, right. they went from like a big six down to how many are left, maybe two or three, you know, like they've all just yeah. merged and converged and yeah. turned into like mega corporations just churning out crappy music, you know, yeah. which is what Fugazi has been against the whole time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that thing that, you know, Ian said his journey to starting Fugazi had had nothing to do with wanting to be in a band anymore. He just wanted to make music. Mm-hmm. So he just found other guys that just wanted to make music and they played in a basement for a year before releasing anything or ever having any expectations of performing in front of anybody. They yeah. just, you know, they did it for these pure reasons. That's right. Um it's pretty incredible. It's incredible and because he had already been so successful. You know what I mean? Like he yes. was already the founder of the most, one of the most influential bands of all time. For uh, sure. You know, at that point where yeah. minor, th- I mean, like, you know, we don't, it's hard to, you know, a lot of people for, to listen to now, I mean, but in yeah. minor threat and, 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 and that movement that, you know, that, mm-hmm. that he captured with the label um, was so influential at the time. And it, of course, hardcore and punk rock in general in America at the time was such a small, fishbowl but still you know yeah, so like yeah. y- yes like he wasn't like making millions of dollars but it was sure. still like in that in that little in that little world he was that was you know they they so many people started bands you know thousands and thousands of scenes around the country mm-hmm. know, hundreds of scenes around the countries were started because oh, for sure by a threat came to town you know or, or yes other, or, you know or, or 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 bad brains or black flag like all the associated like exactly kind of acts Yes, so, that, that carved a true underground. They really yeah. like dug the the tunnels 
for yeah. all of these bands right. to start doing this on a regular basis, you know, like yeah. from, yeah. you know, what was that 1981 maybe that they started doing this? I think it was 80, 79, 80. Yeah. yeah. And it ushered in new labels like your lookout and all right. the bands, you know, and, and basically the whole thing caved in as soon as green day got big. Sure. Um, debatable, yeah. debatable, but I mean, oh. There was certainly a punk rock scene in Wisconsin, and yep. you got to be a participant in that scene back in those days. You yeah. Know, just as it was kind of closing in a little bit. But I mean, yeah. beforehand, you know, Green Day came to my town before they were big. They were on their second record. They were supposed to spend the night at my house. Ah. Uh, um, yeah. Did they play Alumni House? Is that what they played? They did play the Alumni House, but that oh, night, God, that night they had played a roller rink. Um, called the Hotspot in Janesville, Wisconsin, and it was for the most people they'd ever played for of 500 people. Um, and <laughs> and the band was supposed to spend the night at my house. It, would, it was organized by like a friend of a friend, and I just happened to be walking by one day, and they said, oh, we're still looking for a place for Green Day to stay. And I'm like, ah, they can stay with me. That's cool. Um, and so um, at the end of the show, I mean, they were super nice. I mostly talked to Mike Dern, real nice fella. Um, the end of the night, they said, well, we sold all, out of all of our T-shirts. And, you know, back in those days, you could actually just go to a, the next town and find a, pl a pressing place that will make new T-shirts. Or they would make them themselves sometimes, <laughs> just in the back of the van. So they said, we got to get to the next town. But I got to ride home with Green Day. So, you know, that, that was my success story. Yeah, that's <laughs> sweet. Yeah, it was something. <laughs> were they already kind of punk rock stars? or were I, they? I would say that, like? I mean... Well, the, you know, Trey Cool just kind of seemed crazy. Um, Billy Joe seemed, I don't know. They they didn't seem like guys that I could approach and talk to. Like, they were right. cordial to find out that they were going to spend the night at my place. But Mike okay. Durnt was, like, wholeheartedly just a gentleman and yeah. super nice. And, su and you know, there was a point where uh, the show had started. They weren't even on a stage. They were playing on flat ground. Um, and there were these lofts up above, and yeah. uh, I, I couldn't get close. So I was like, yeah, I'll just sit in the back. And then eventually someone's like, you should get up there. And they like body passed me, and I got up high, <laughs> and I watched the show from up there, and it was amazing. Yeah. Uh, and after the show, Mike is like, hey, I saw you up in the rafters. So I was like, oh, he remembered me. Oh. Yeah, cool. <laughs> right, yeah, so, like I'm, I was just going to miss you, you know. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, we're not here That's to talk awesome. about Green Day. Yeah, well, I mean, it's funny. I was thinking about Green Day in the context of, of hardcore and 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 Fugazi and, and stuff like that too. I feel because like you said, I feel like Green Day was sort of like a, a the last kind of cliff of punk rock as a community. It certainly was like a musical yeah. genre for a long time, and and sure. and, 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 and you know and and the, and the scene or whatever. There's still there's still bands, there's still whatever, lots of things. But but that was the moment where punk rock explicitly was the thing that people that that the mass culture embraced and was like okay this is something that we all we all can do that that we all we don't have to yeah. it's, not, it's not an exclusive little club or a community that you have to understand all of the minutia and guidelines of yeah, yeah whereas yeah. Fugazi was the peak of that and it's funny because yes. because also Green Day was the advent of moshing I mean Nirvana in that time too but Green Day mm. was like 93 a couple of, a couple of years later um where where suddenly moshing was de rigueur. That was it. Was like every concert, they might be giants. You're gonna go see. They might be giants. Cool. There's gonna be a mosh pit. Like yeah. you're gonna go. There's you know gonna be I mean? like there's gonna be someone jumping on you. There's yeah. gonna be stage diving. Yeah. You're stuff. gonna go see County Crows. I've never seen County Crows at some <laughs> festival. I mean, we're just like, <gasps> yeah. you know, like hard, like flawed, like oh, you know, like mm -hmm. just like throwing down in the pit for County Crows. And it was like, totally. okay, um, and Fugazi. <laughs> 
this is my one of my favorite Fugazi stories. Hated they hated moshing. They hated yeah. it so much. Mm-hmm. It was like a thing that you knew that if you went to a Fugazi concert, like if if in DC if you went to a Fugazi concert, like nine times out of ten, like if you started mo- people would just look at you like, what are you doing? Like yeah, no, they no understood moshing, the etiquette you know? at that point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and if you know, but you went to other places and you know, and but I um I saw them at mid nineties. You know, I don't know when that was, but ninety five okay. maybe. I think it was right around Red Medicine. Cool. For maybe right before in the park at uh, Fort Reno, the famous park in Washington D.C., where hardcore shows go on every year, every summer. You know, all summer, there's one of the premier places to play, and they would always do it with go-go bands too. So it would be like this yeah. really cool crowd of like, you know, hip hop, go-go. Wait a minute, do you know about go-go music? If not, let me tell you about it. It's Washington D.C.'s official music, as declared in 2020. Though, its roots stem back to the 60s. The term go-go apparently came from France. There was a a club there named after a British comedy called Whiskey Galore, but the French slurred it a little bit and called it Whiskey a Go-Go, which you've probably heard this before, which also features dancers, inevitably titled Go-Go Dancers. In fact, sadly, this was one of the first dance clubs that featured a DJ actually playing records of music instead of having a live band do it. Weddings have never been the same. Anyways, this place featured dancers, inevitably dubbed A-Go-Go Dancers. A-Go-Go became to mean a dance club, like Smokey Robinson talked about in his uh, Going to A-Go-Go. In 1965, Washington, D.C. was brewing up a new, unique form of funk music with a beat kind of like this. It's like a straight beat with like a tight, swingy thing happening on top of it. A band called the Young Senators, later known as the Emperors of Go-Go, started playing in this style. Alongside other local musicians like Chuck Brown, who is known as the godfather of Go-Go, as well as Black Heat, The Experience Unlimited, Sergio Quarterman and the Free Soul, and even Peaches of Herb. They were the first harvesters of this music. They can't really trace back who exactly started it, but all of this stuff was happening in Washington, D.C. around that time. And it's much different than what Fugazi was playing, but Fugazi still was featuring it at their shows. Cool, huh? Carry on. And then Fugazi or other hardcore bands, Jawbox and um, uh, Nation Ulysses, like all these other great bands will play at Forino. And that went on for, for years afterward, but... At this point, whatever it, be, it was like, whatever it was, it was like, I, I feel like it was post Green Day because there was just people, like, bros just showed up. It was just bros. It was just yeah. like filled with kids. And, you know, they weren't bad. They, they weren't, it wasn't like they were like trying to mosh in a violent and pain, you know, dangerous way or something. Sure. They just, they just were like, it's a show. Let's mosh. Yeah. And one of the kids jumped on stage, like, oh, here we go. Like, like getting ready to jump off it. He just grabbed him. You know, <laughs> not like in like a, not like in like a, I'm going to punch you in, but just like a hold up, hold up, like a hall monitor kind, kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. <laughs> like held him suspended over the audience. You know, the kid's like hanging, he's yeah. like hang, holding him and the kid's like hanging over the audience, kind of like, huh? Like, and he's probably like <laughs> 15, right? And he just, and so Ian just like looks at the crowd and like they're playing like, you know, whatever, one of their kind of groove, like, do 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 you know, like, yeah, or, like yeah, not yeah. waiting room, but like one of the, like, the, like, yeah, kind of slow yeah, yeah, build yeah. kind of ones. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he just, like, he just starts going, boys, boys, boys. Like, trying to get their attention. Yeah. There's all these kids in the front, and they all just stop and look, and then he just goes, no, boys, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, waving his finger at them, like, uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> and, 
I remember thinking, I mean, I was, you know, early 20s or something, so I wasn't exactly, you know, full grown, but I was like, oh, you know, part of me was like, oh, come on, guys. Like, you know, you ruined, like, they're going to stop playing. They're, like, annoyed, you know? Yeah. And part of me was like, come on. Like, you know, just it's fun. You know what I mean? Like, just yeah. let people have fun. Like, you're basically, what you're saying is, like, music is so serious, and our music is so important and serious that <laughs> if you try and have fun during it, you're going to break you know, the spell, you know, um, well, I mean, that's how it felt. That's how it felt. And I think it's a, that's sort of the, the, the challenge of, of Fugazi. And one of the things that even now, like sometimes listening to Fugazi is a little bit like taking your, you know, taking your medicine, um, (laughs) you know, more than like something that's really enjoyable. But at the same time, if you're the right headspace, it's, 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 it's the opposite. It's like, it's a curative. It's so, they're so emotional, especially Guy's songs. Right. I mean, like, He's tr- like uh, he was. You, you mentioned like how how they got together and they just played for a long time. Ian could have been in any kind of hardcore band and like or any kind of punk band or you know any kind of thing and and like been very successful. But yeah. he chose to be in a band with Guy, this complete oddball yeah. weirdo who had found, you know was in Right to Spring, the first emo band. Yeah, you know? the very um, first emo band. So a lot of people say. Yeah, and yeah. so he anyway he, he he they chose to be in that and, and to make this incredible bizarre art you know instead um yeah. and 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 make their own path but it's still rock and roll right it's still just rock and roll and, and definitely still just yeah so that's the, the guy like the, the guy's still playing an sg through a marshall amp you know <laughs> right. like there's that's loud right. rock and roll guitars right. you know they're yeah. rocking they're yeah. jumping up and down it's a great time some of those early tracks too like you listen to they're using these harmonics it kind of sounds like uh like almost like now like Sounds like no effects or like some or like some other like you know they're like you know what I mean like oh, yeah. they have these like little like touches yeah. that are like almost like a melodic like hardcore metal band like there's a little like these little like, kind of almost like metally like sure absolutely you know? I mean you know you consider that you know throughout the progression of Fugazi it gave Ian Mackay an opportunity to just get better at his guitar right you know right. in in Minor Threat he wasn't playing guitar he was just the singer so. You know, over time, he's just getting better and more proficient, and also, you know, trying to yeah. explore the genre of music. And yeah, like the art aspect that you're saying, like, you know, they they fused all of these elements of music. You know, like the go-go scene, and and um, you know, like when they brought in Guy, they weren't even thinking at the time that they he was going to be a full-time right. member. He That's was right. just kind of like a guy who was a fan of the band. They That's did like right. one show, and so he was yeah. going to be like the hype guy. Yeah. The flavor flave, like the guy who's just gonna like, you know, be the the counterpoint, the yeah. counterpoint to everything oh, yeah. that you know Ian's doing. Ian is like, you know, the, the is giving the meat and potatoes, right. and he's like the flourish, the little thing on top. Yeah. Um, and so, and then the same thing happened when he started playing the guitar. He was playing a Rickenbacker, which has like this thin sound, which cuts mm. through over this the beefy sound that Ian's got. So the two of them just fused together this sound and this synergy and ability to work off of each other that you know is unmatched you know when two guitar players like get that synergy together it's it's truly magical and that's really what fugazi you know maybe not intended to be but that's that's what it is you know that's exactly right that's the magic of it yeah Yeah, that's exactly right that it was sort of like maybe their attention was one sort of sort of thing and then you could even you can hear like there's some of their their more or less successful songs like some of the the straight up ian songs that are very 
sort of didactic, you know, like uh-huh. uh, Great Cop, you know, as is one yeah. of them. That's a, it's a it's a good tune. It's good, like driving, you know, like you yes, yes, Great yes. Cop, you know, <laughs> you get your finger pointed at me. It's a great song. They don't. Like, they don't. They said about that song that they had a hard time because it was so heavy. Like they, it was yeah. one that was like sitting on the docks. I think for ten years before they knew what to do with it. Like they oh, had that funny. riff, and they just they couldn't figure out how to like really flesh it out. But anyways, go ahead. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. that's a great one. Yeah, that, and then but then like. You compare that to the most successful songs, the most successful sort of like gee songs, and that that really shouldn't work. You know, that are so like sort of ephemeral, and like there's lots of like stops and starts, and like you know, yeah. and, and, and yeah, like to me, those are the most memorable. Um, yeah, they're both they're both they're both good sides to the band, but like still like sure. that exactly like that they, and honestly, the most memorable things are the moments in concerts that. Where, where they're playing off each other so perfectly and improvising, yeah, you know, within their limited skill set, you know, what I mean, they're not like, sure, you know, yeah, but you know, you know, like jamming, shredding, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> they're not like giggly ball steam, like, or yeah. even like, or even like, you know, uh, you know, like uh, you know, weather reportish, like they're not like, you know, they're not like jazz improvising, they're they're rock yeah. improvising, but in a way that is so. Um, uh, you know, so authentic and and uh, and moving in the moment. You know, yeah, because they, you know, it, 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 I don't know. It's just yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. That, that that's those are the moments when you see them, when, when you saw them live, where mm. they would like balance. They were just like obviously like oh they're good. At, they're doing something that they've never done before. You know, yeah. they're they're just taking the song and like turning it inside or just grooving on it, yeah. in like you know, um, in a way that uh, that as a crowd you you're just. You know, uh, I guess that's why people like fish. I never really figured it out until I started saying that. Because <laughs> I'm like saying all this stuff. I'm like, I guess you can apply all of those same things to something like fish. I hate yeah, fish. I can't vibe. listen to it. Yeah. But it's but the same you, thing. You, you I get, get it. it. You understand. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Okay. Yeah. Right, I want to put a quick book, bookmark in this because we, uh, our trajectory is we need to talk about the food first and foremost before we really get into the meat of Fugazi. Um, but uh, I, I started texting you yesterday. We had been planning to talk about Fugazi, and I, I really – didn't know what the dish was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but we learned some stuff. We learned that, uh, well, I mean, it's not really a hidden knowledge that Ian has been a long time vegan, mm-hmm. which is funny because in early days, he would not talk about it. He would mm-hmm. not talk about his life. He, you know, he was strictly, right. we're going to talk about the music and that's it. But I think in his later years, he's like mellowing out and he's like, yeah, okay, I've been a vegan now for 33 years he's been. Yeah. So, um, and sort of uses that as an opportunity to sort of talk about milk. And like he was saying when he was a kid, like, you know, I thought if you didn't drink milk, you'd die. So, you know, and to come to find out, I haven't drank it for 33 years and I'm, I'm still kicking. Okay. Um, so, so the man's vegan. Um, the band is, is very simple. The band, uh, sure, it, it has a lot of elements fused together, but it's not too thick. It's really kind of a, turned into like a classic sound like the fugazi sound is has sort of inspired so many bands and but uh for me it felt like they should be a very classic traditional dish so i have been for a while trying to find a way to fuse together italian cuisine because i i can't think of too many like italian bands but i spent a lot of time in italy when i was over the pandemic like 10 months and really learned a lot about the ethos that goes into making Italian food and how it's handed down like classics, you know, classic recipes are handed down 
uh, word of mouth from your grandparents down to, you know, down to the younger generation. And, and um, even if there is a cookbook, it's like a handwritten cookbook. Like I was given a little cookbook from the grandmother of like what you're supposed to do. And um, so Fugazi, I wanted to be as simple as we could and really focus on the traditional ethos of cooking Italian food, which is minimal ingredients so that every ingredient stands out. So we are going to make a bare bones tomato pasta. Now the pasta, obviously, if Ian's going to eat it, it's going to have to be vegan. So we have a vegan pasta with a classic Italian tomato sauce. That's Fugazi. So here we go. So you're you're from Washington D.C. So yes. I I would assume that your your parents probably listened to Fugazi in that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we by the you know by the old hearth. Uh, sure. Would, uh, yeah. Now you're. You know, I mean, was. were you a part of like the scene as a musician at that point, or were you just kind of like more of um, a spectator? That's good. definitely a spectator. Yeah, I, I was I was a kid during. You know, I think I was. Might have been thirteen during when thirteen songs came out or something, hey, something along those lines. Like some, some kind right. of nice. I, I think it was a little younger, though. Honestly, I, uh, depending on, I think we were thirteen songs was in eighty nine. So yeah, I was, I was, I was younger than that. But yeah, so I was a kid. But I was, I was, um, you know, Fugazi in that the the, the ascent of Fugazi in the scene was my mm-hmm. first experience of 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 music as a as a as a teen. You know, and I was wow. very musically oriented. So. Wow. Um, I, I fully bought in as like a 12, 13 year old. There's a whole crew of kids like that too. Like, you know, yeah. and we would, you know, a lot of the scene was concentrated in, in Northwest DC. I was in Silver Spring right outside there. So I could take the subway down really easily to see shows. Um, there's, there's a, a bunch of churches and, the, and of course Fugazi and the, that music scene in general, you know, throughout the eighties and nineties and were, um, always made sure that underage kids could could get into shows, right? Because yes. they started, they were like part of this youth movement yep, in the early yep, 80s, yep. and so they were all about including the youth, and they refused to play any shows where that were that were 21 plus at all throughout their entire career. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, which was a, yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that was, that was what was going on in in our town too. I mean, yeah. I mean, they obviously created the mold that we all yeah. lived off. Um, but I mean, it 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 sort of created like these very ambitious young kids. Yeah. You know, and they like the guys that were setting up shows in our town, like they were Eagle Scouts and they were 18, <laughs> 19 years old. And they just said, look, we're just going to book a VFW hall and we're going to contact our favorite bands, you know, some local. We'll, we'll start letting the, the other bands that are touring around know that we're, we're here and they can come here and play. Yep. Um, so, so that was like the template. And, and obviously, as we were saying before, Minor Threat, Black Flag, um, Bad Brains. I mean, I'm not sure. Who else? Uh, there was a band from from Canada, kind of doing the same thing. God, what were they called? The band in question is DOA. They're a Canadian punk rock band from Vancouver, British Columbia. They considered one of the founders of hardcore punk, along with Black Flag, Bad Brains, Angry Samoans, Germs, etc., and Minor Threat. The fellows in DOA wanted to play a show in Washington, D.C. and got in touch with Ian Mackay, who informed him that 
they didn't really have a venue at their disposal, but they could do a free show with Minor Threat at a local high school, which was like a an alternative high school. They weren't allowed to charge a cover, but they did pass the hat, made a little bit of money for them. And that really set an impression in Ian Mackay that he would live by for the rest of his musical career, saying that he would make sure any show that he committed to, he would definitely be there and not miss it under any circumstances. He figured if DOA can drive all the way across the country, across the continent, forgive me, to go play a high school for no money in Washington, D.C., then any band that Emakai is in shouldn't have any problem arriving and playing whatever show that they commit to. So, carry on. I don't know if, if this band, um, you know, invented it, but you know, for certainly their um, yeah. their enthusiasm and their dedication to the music and to the scene and to to just the music and just yeah. making sure that it gets out there, you know, it was a, a, a made a big impression yeah. on a young Ian Mackay. Yeah, you know, like when you realize that you could just do that, like as a young person, it's it's incredibly inspiring. Um, sure. So a lot of people who moved out of music very quickly started there, you know, and took that spirit with them. You know, people, a lot of people have talked about the kind of the hardcore spirit or the punk spirit that's gone through their lives. Yeah. Um, the the problem, I think that it's kind of interesting. A lot of people, talk, you know, now my age, talk about that time and talk about how it inspired them and look back at their lives and their careers and say, yeah, that yeah. inspired me. And what it inspired me to do was to do it all myself. Was mm-hmm. to, I could do it. I could put it on and be an entrepreneur and then do it and then and then and because I could do it myself I I could you know um, I could be successful yeah. and fuck and everyone can, else <laughs> yeah and you can have control over right. the uh, over right. the product right. all the right. way I can you have don't, total control right you don't have to compromise your vision that's right. That's all right. You, but all you need is a is a is a vision, and that's yeah, that's can that's be right. the hardest part. <laughs> but I think the thing the thing that that missed to me the thing that that misses the thing that a lot of my peers miss when they talk about that maybe it's just you know I don't know being from being from BC makes me think I have some ownership over over how we talk about it, which isn't that's that's silly. But Although, honestly, from my side, I feel like you do have um, <laughs> Thank authority. Thank you. Yes, to, yeah, to so make very the, yeah strong as opinions. the owner of Washington D.C. As, <laughs> as the inventor of of the internet. Uh, no, uh, the um, it, to me it was it it's 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 a little of a misnomer to think that you're that you could just. Go out there and do it because what you need is a scene of people who give a shit and will yes. come to the thing and actually yes. care about it. That's what it should have taught us, and in some degree, you know, it did teach a lot of people that too. It was that without your without your crew, without like a scene, and without the the community of of kids who were like, you put a show on at a VFW six you know subway stops away or like a bus ride. Oh, I will get on a bus as a 14 year old and ride for 45 minutes to a different suburb to go to a show at a VFW of a bunch of bands I've never heard of just yes. because that is our scene. And that is what yes. we do. Yes. Right. And, and you think about like that age demographic, um, you're younger than 21. You're not allowed to be in the bars. It's like, this is your activity. Like you're either going to do this or you're going to hang out at Denny's and drink coffee, which I also did plenty of as a kid. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if we weren't doing that, I mean, we were basically going there to sort of talk about what, 
what shows are coming up? Like, yeah. where are we going to go? There's something happening in Rockford. Oh, there's something in Boy. You know, yeah. you know, he, and 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 like <laughs> the the guy who was setting up the shows was smart enough to actually work at Perkins. So we'd be there, and he would be <laughs> he'd be pimping. He's like, oh man, the near to wells are coming. You got to see the near to wells. <laughs> you oh, know, or brilliant. or whoever. You know, and, oh. and, and so it's just like, all right, sure. I mean, because yeah. there's nothing else to do. You know, and. Yeah. But I mean, it, it's it's more than that. It's more than just like I guess I'll do that because I have nothing else. It's also right. really exciting. That's you right. Know, this is before the internet. You were getting yeah. turned on to bands that you never heard of before, and you you know seeing live music. Yeah. What beats that? You know. But even beyond that, at least again, again, this was DC was we. It was a it was a crazy time. People took it so seriously. You have no idea how seriously. The little factions within Washington DC music scene took all of the stuff that wasn't music. Like, uh-huh. like, were you a? Did you have to be a vegan? Could you eat meat? Were you allowed to smoke a cigarette every now and then? Were you Shit. like what? And then, and then on top of that, all the, the all these politics. You know, like, like, yeah. were you were you anti-racist or did you allow skinheads to come to the show? Or did you allow skinheads to come to the show? Only if they're not if they're explicitly anti-racist, but you you know you still allowed skinheads, so they were still they still you know. They yeah. didn't explicitly say there was there. You know, there was like so much of that stuff, like involved. Like you had to think about all of that stuff too. You could just like go to a yeah. show because you like music, uh, which is uh, you know. What, did this did this stuff bring people together or or push them apart? Because it sounds like, I mean, if yeah, if if this were today, like that would splinter into like eight different groups, <laughs> which is you know absolutely which, dis- which destroys yeah. the community. But but it was both. It was like you had to have if it, you know. Those, those things were what made the community, you know, the concerns, the fact that that was important to everyone, sure. made it so that it was more than just going to a musical show. Not, not that there's, you know, not that the music wasn't important and good, but, but, it, but all of that stuff on top of it made it a social scene and made it a, made it an intellectual scene in some ways as well. Like, uh, you know, it's, it's almost like you were wrestling with philosophy just by deciding to go to a, you know, a concert yeah. that, that did destroy it. It did kill it. Okay. Right. Because of the, because of, you know, because it, you take it too seriously, it stops being fun eventually, you know, and then yeah. like green day, everything else, like those folks flood in and they don't give a shit about like, yeah. you know, like which Marxist philosopher you think is, you know, should be leading the revolution. <laughs> like they just want to <laughs> yeah. mosh. And then, and then and then and then everyone scolds them and then they go away and then it's gone and then it, yeah. and then by the 90s by the late 90s DC was known th- throughout the world as one of the worst places to play a show you know it was really? just it was terrible nobody it was really, danced. I, I, yeah, yeah. yeah 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 i remember when i was in i mean later on you know after my punk rock days when i was able to drink i found myself in a irish rock band and so kind of like Pogues-y influenced nice. with a, a bit of Johnny Cash. Um, certainly left-leaning po- politically. Um, but we always had a hard time finding a place to play in D.C., which I thought was crazy. That because is crazy. previous to that, I was in, I, let's call it an emo band. At the time, you know, it was, emo was just happening. Yeah. Um, the second promise ring, Nothing Feels Good. That that album just came out, and we were listening to it every single day, you know, on top of you know the the Fugazi records, uh, and we came to DC. Let me let me tell you my my story. So I am I think I'm 19 years old, 20 years old. I'm playing drums with this band. It's it's one of the few times that I like played drums in a band. 
Um, but the lead singer was from Rockford, Illinois, and he sort of ran a skate park there, which also had a stage. So he was setting up shows for all these other bands. So he was very connected in the underground scene. So when we said, let's go on tour, and it, yeah, in three and a half weeks, we're going to lap the entire country, which I nice. think was pretty ambitious, but we did. Jesus. Um, so we go to D.C., and I'm sitting up in the loft, just like sleeping, because in, in when, you, when you make a tour van, what typically right. the best thing you can do is create a loft bed up above where you're going to put your cargo so that people can take naps up there. So if you're doing like a big heavy-duty drive, there's just more room for people to, to sleep so when the next driver has to come in. So anyways, we're driving there. All of a sudden, they're like, hey, Nate, wake up. I'm like, all right. And I look up, and, I, and I'm just kind of like groggy, and I see a house I half-recognize and then all of a sudden, I see Ian McKay walk out of the house. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, my God, that's, that's the porch. That's yeah. the, we're at the Discord house. I didn't yeah. even know we were going there. <laughs> that's amazing. For those of you wondering what I'm talking about, the Discord house was the headquarters for Discord Records. This particular block featured the actual Discord Records business, which was on one side of the street and Ian Mackay's house, which was on the other side of the street. Discord's records started when Ian Mackay and Jeff Nelson, who were both in a band called the Teen Idols, decided that they could take it in their own hands to release a 7-inch record. From there, they went on to form Minor Threat, start putting their releases out through their own record label, Discord Records, obviously later on Fugazi. But in addition to that, they started to put out their friends' records around the D.C. area, including Shudder to Think, Jawbox... Nation of Ulysses, Dag Nasty, Lungfish, and of course pre-Fugazi bands Embrace and Rites of Spring. Anyways, this area of town is forever immortalized from the front cover of the Minor Threat 7-inch Salad Days, where all four members of the band are sitting on this porch. So now it has turned in sort of a destination location for people, and I've heard instances of people trying to find it and being unable to. So it made this moment all the more special for a young 19-year-old. So carry on. We walked inside for a second, and Guy was at the table, you know, just kind of like hanging out. And we, we go in the office, and, and they told this wonderful, this hilarious story of, um, about uh, Eddie, Eddie Vedder. Uh, they were mentioning this was like after after Kurt Cobain had killed himself, he was really in a rough time and ended up talking and really connecting with Ian Mackay. And and so <laughs> he he went over to to the Discord house and and I forget what movie it was, but they mentioned that he was like they were watching a movie and he was just bawling while he was watching this movie. Yeah. But I thought I don't know. I wish that story were better. If I could remember what <laughs> name of the movie was, the, let's pretend. Let's pretend we know what the movie is. All right. Like, okay. Uh, uh, Field of Dreams. <laughs> I'm gonna go with uh, True Romance. True. Ah, oh, very nice. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine him like crying during that yeah. scene where Everyone's... James Gandolfini's like really racist. He's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so beautiful. Oh man. So, anyways, yeah. Really nice guys, very approachable. Oh, and then yeah. we and then we went and took a picture on the porch with Ian Mackay, and and um, awesome. that is one of my favorite pictures. So that's that's the time I met Ian Mackay. That's great. Yeah. Did you ever get to meet Ian Mackay? Oh yeah, plenty of times. I don't, you know, but as a kid, as a, as a, I, I, I think there was one. I remember seeing him in the in the early two thousands, um, uh, and actually got actually got a chance to talk to him. There was like we, there was something called like a uh, 
punk rock flea market or something like that where they have yeah. would have these like it was literally a flea market but it was like what if what if flea market but punk rock and so it was like all of these like you know it's like pre etsy times or people selling their little homemade like whatever's and so i went to that um and it was very like you know gentrifier sunday morning uh you know coffee um dc era where and uh he was there selling all kinds of stuff um, including like you know i think just like furniture you know yeah. <laughs> uh, and i just i just remember being like hey i just wanted to you know like like for you have that that moment where you meet your idol you know later on and it's not like at the peak where they're like everyone's tell, tell, telling that to them so they have a minute to actually like be like hey thanks you know yeah um and he was just he was just so gracious you know what i mean yeah. like it was i was just like hey i just you, you meant so much to me when i was you know Okay, I'd read I was like, you know, at the time, like, you know, 27 or something, but, sure, yeah, but yeah. whatever, like, you know, just had a good, you know, had a good chat with him. About that. But yeah, so approachable. And yeah. like, you know, God, the, the, again, like, it's hard for people to imagine people caring. I guess that's not true. Pop singers still get this level of scrutiny. You know, pop singers now do get by their fans and by, by the fans of other, you know, there's all this like rivalry between pop singers' fandoms, right? There's a lot yeah. of that. In 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 two thousand in nineties um, indie yeah. rock where like sure. I saw like front page news of whatever zine like I saw Ian drinking a beer you know and like I, I believe he was drinking a beer at the time that that, that I was talking to him like yeah because he has a beer every now and then you know he's not like yeah he's not making a big deal out of it he's not making a big and like and of course at that point I'm not making a big deal of it either right like because yeah. who cares like who like why would it matter. Um, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like straight edge was as a thing, like incredibly positive as a movement for kids. Like that is yeah. like it, it, like I was, you know, on a, on a, on a juvenile delinquent path, mm-hmm. um, before I discovered that as a, as a choice and that as, and as a, Again, as a choice that that allowed you to be part of an in group, you know, like if you mm-hmm. said I'm a straight edge, you're part of this gang now. You're part yeah. of this like nerdy intellectual gang that you know says we are going to talk about you know uh, anarchism instead of instead <laughs> of you know going to the the cross kicker, you know, and that's yeah, like yeah, yeah. that was really meaningful and also like was positive. You know, I got to save my brain cells for for you know. Those important for later years. years. Yeah, now I'm just, <laughs> and then I got to waste them. So that's why I was yeah, yeah, such yeah, a lush yeah. as a twenty-year-old. Yeah, I don't yeah. know, but um, anyway, it was. Yeah, he's such a gracious and thoughtful dude. Like he really is. Yeah, you know? it's hard to imagine a better, bigger role model for the scene. You know, like it's. Yeah. You know, you, you say like he had a beard. It's it, it, and it's it's good to hear that because you sort of feel like how can this guy just be on point at all times with his constitution of like what is right and what is wrong um you know like he is available to the people that come like if you want to go talk to him you can go talk to him um but that's always been part of his his big mantra is that you know he's not playing for a bunch of heads he's playing for a bunch of people he wants to perform music for people um and so part of that is you know and part of being a part of the community is making yourself available Mm -hmm. to your community even to this day from time to time, if somebody has a good idea, we're like, we're going to put on this thing and, you know, maybe Fugazi can be a part of it. Sometimes he'll consider it. You know, it, it hasn't happened yet, but it's still, 
it's still in the Rolodex of possibilities. Yeah. Um, and the way they talk about it, you know it's going to happen someday, right? Oh, of course. It, yeah. It's, it, it's going it, to be a really good reason. But. It's, it's going to be a great reason, yeah. and hopefully it's you know <laughs> going to help the world get out of the funk that it's in at the moment. Um, and yeah. it's good to know that, you know, that, that ace is just sitting there and sitting when the there. world needs it, it's going to come back out. <laughs> Man, we, we can't wait. <laughs> I know. I, it'll be a, no matter what, it, like, that's the kind of thing where despite them being super old, it's still going to be really awesome concert. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's certain bands of that era, especially gang of four was one of them. Wire. Um, Did you see gang of four Dyson in any Jr. of their, I never saw the Gang of Four, no. but I've, I saw I, I've I've listened. I know about them as like come as a you know when they came back, listening to some of their comeback you know albums. You yeah. know, twenty mm-hmm. years on, thirty years on, they would yeah. come back every now and then, play a show, do an album, and it, that was that shit was it's still so, super fresh because of the kind of music that it was. You know, you could do a Minor Threat reunion now. You know, um, <laughs> but they, they although won't. that's they kind won't. of what I would like to do. That's uh, that's that's my vision. Is a bunch of old men playing hardcore like that, but still, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. ages less well, right? It doesn't it, it doesn't have the kind of like complexity and groove, you know, that that Fugazi does. You know, where it's you can like I can imagine. Sure. And that, guys play it in. Yeah, and that music is kind of like let's do twenty push ups right now, or like you know, <laughs> yeah, like there's a physicality yeah. that like forget it, you know. <laughs> oh man, it yeah. is really hard playing that fast. It's so I hard. bet <laughs> so so hard. Fantastic. It really felt, I swear to God, it really felt like in, in whatever it was, 1990, it really felt like, okay, this is it. Like, we're going to we're gonna dismantle some systems with this yeah. with this movement. Like, it really, it really, you know, there was a minute where it was like, okay, yeah. we're, this is like, we're going to like, we're, I this mean, cannot be co-opted. You know what I mean? Like, if we yeah. all hold hands, like, we can't be co-opted. Yeah. Um, and I, I think one of the lessons, unfortunately, was that, like, the music... You, you can you could build something really amazing, but th- they'll work around you. <laughs> like they'll yeah, they'll, that's they'll, true. They'll just hey, that's cool. You guys can have that. That we'll just we'll just go yeah. over here and 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 do our thing and and you know but and pillage over there. He instead, still but. has it, but I mean, like yeah. it, it depends what your goals are. Like yeah, I mean, I'm sure you've seen Instrument, the documentary. Oh, yeah, um, and it gets towards the end where you know there's that moment. Like in on in on the kill taker turned out to be their first album to be in Billboard. Right. Like it 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 got in the top whatever a hundred whatever the their counting system is, mm-hmm. um, and they were famously courted by a number of you know major labels that wanted to have them and and uh, most notably um, Atlantic Records president Ahmed Erdogan he mm-hmm. met with the band backstage said I'll give you anything you want. He offered him more than $10 million to sign. He said, you can start your own label, subsidiary. And they they turned it down. They turned down so many famous things. They were invited to headline Lollapalooza, 1993. I think maybe the third one, fourth one. They they yeah. were asked to do it. And they thought about it for a second. And they said, no, we're, we're not going to be a part of it. 
That's crazy. I didn't know that. I did not know. Yeah, yeah. What was the? Do you know the reasoning? Like, what's the reasoning behind rejecting Lollapalooza? Too well, commercial. Too. I would. Ha- I could only guess it has to be a yeah. commercial thing because they they've said like Ian will not be in a magazine that also sells alcohol. Um, I mean, he's just got he's got these Gosh. rules. <laughs> he, you know, and, and they 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 talk about the fact that him him and Henry Rollins, formerly formerly Henry Garfield, are are like best friends. Have been for since they were kids they worked in the same ice cream store together they you know uh they obviously were the the head figures of two of the most influential hardcore bands in the scene black flag and minor threat um and then they both grew up and where henry rollins just says yeah i'll do anything i'll be in that stupid movie i'll uh <laughs> i'll be in lollapalooza he was in lollapalooza one you know rollins yeah. band Um, where, whereas Ian isn't afraid to say no, you know, he's not trying to, you know, achieve a kingdom. He's not trying to be the head of the state. He just wants a community and it's true socialism. You know, he's not going to put it in a, in a, in a situation where somebody's going to feel excluded like Mm -hmm. the whole moshing thing. You know, he wants it that if some frail black girl wants to be in the front, she's not going to get a boot in the head, you know, like everybody's got to have an opportunity to be a part of what it is. And and if somebody excludes them, then you're out, you know? (laughs) So that's the only thing that excluded is like terrible (laughs) attitudes. Yeah, Um, no, that's true. That's true. And, um, and you know, they were pigeonholed as just being a really like rigid, strict vice principal, but uh, (laughs) you know, they always, Try to defuse and de-escalate these tense moments in stage with humor, like the most humor yeah. that they can bring to the table. Yeah. Um, you know, you can see that there are moments where, like, in, once again in that movie, there's somebody's spitting on Ian, and Ian drags the guy up, and he says, "Will right. you apologize for spitting on me? I do not like to be spit on." Yeah. And the guy's like, Rrr! "He's like, are you going to apologize?" And he's like, Rrr! "He's like, all right, I'm going to kindly ask you to leave." And I think he uses those exact words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to yeah. kindly ask you to vacate. The premises, yeah. Yeah. because I do not, I do not like to be spit on. So, yeah. as, and, and really, when it comes down down to it, it's really the only way that you're going to be able to proceed with that set of rules. Like you can't really, you know, if it is truly a socialist society, you know, we all have to get along. So, you know, you've got to be given the opportunity to sort of come back from whatever island you're on or whatever preconceived notions you have or the baggage you're bringing to the table, you know. So, I I agree. Uh, you know, uh, uh, all of those things, all of those things are true. And some of the best things, and and some of the best, like, um, you know, kind of examples that we have as as a society of a moment where you can build something, you can build an alternative within capitalism, within our, you know, within our structure. It is possible. You know, you're not gonna. It's not gonna. It's not gonna. Uh, uh, you know, overthrow the. The institutions, the record companies yes. didn't all go, ah, now, yeah. now everyone, uh-huh. now they did every single band, every other band in DC was like, well, uh, we'll take, we'll take that. We'll take, what, what, uh, oh, 10, yeah. 10 million. We'll take one. Sure. We'll take one, one million, half a million. Like, you yeah. know, like the, well, they well, did. Government plan. Uh, box. Yeah. Job Yeah. Like all my favorite bands. Yeah. And, and, you know. Were they worse off? Because maybe, maybe they would, could have made better records after that. But they made good records on those major yeah. labels, and they toured, and then people watched them, and you know, it didn't. So, really... Some some were crucified. Uh, dismemberment yeah. plan. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, 
<laughs> I was just reading about the story. The lead singer, there's this band dismemberment plan. Pretty cool. Yeah. Um, their, their lead singer eventually like made a solo record that notoriously got a 0.0 on Pitchfork. I forgot that. Yeah. And destroyed him. Yeah. Like he gave up music and, Ugh. and, and just kind of, you know, he said like he was touring around and like, he definitely was ambitious with his first record. And I listened to it. It's not that bad. I mean, some of the lyrics are like, eh, I don't know. Um, but you know, all in all as a piece of art, it's, it's not zero. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, um, come on. Yeah. Um, Ugh. and then, and then like he, he, he said he saw very, you know, there was a moment where, he was doing his shows and people were like, oh, this is, you know, I'm not sure what to think, but, you know, they had an open mind. And then as soon as the pitchfork thing came out, he's like, I, you know, everybody had already made up their minds before note one, you know, wow. that this was garbage. Yeah. And so like, yeah, now he doesn't, he's quote unquote retired from music, even though, you know, dismemberment plan did sort of have a, a brief reunion in like 2013. But, you know, for the most part, he's now yeah. in journalism. I think he works for Huffington Post. <laughs> So anyways, yeah. that uh, could have happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's funny. Like, you know, could there have been, could, would the 90s and would Generation X have been as ex obsessed with selling out if they didn't have a counterexample? Like, you know, like. True. The, you know, it's like there was this whole thing, like, oh, you're going to sell out, you know, like. Yeah. Kurt tortured, Kurt Cobain torturing himself about, like, being commercialized and, yes. you know, being, like, being, like, kind of, um. You know, uh, whatever, like turned into a symbol of of something he didn't like, and uh, and could he like w it, then after Fugazi, the ne the next generation came up. You know, the you know I'm, I'm I'm you know sort of younger, a lot so much younger than those folks. I saw the next generation. We both did of, of bands in the 2000s where there wasn't there wasn't an option. The money was limited. You know, yeah, like the distribution yeah. networks had all been co-opted. So, like Fugazi had a, had the ability to build something like that. You know, yes. like uh, my 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 friend Fugazi, they, they banned. You know, like a lot of major labels at that time. Sure, major labels that were founded later on in the nineties, like the, their avenues were blocked. They couldn't they couldn't achieve the same success, and so there yes. wasn't that alternative. Like you know, yeah. the 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 decision like it's such a, such a tough decision should be put our song in a commercial like. Oh, that yeah. decision, no brainer by like 2003. You know yes. what I mean? Like it was and, like and that's previously, it. previously destroyed some bands. Oh yeah, yeah, you know? for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's that band. There's a band from Minnesota that did that. They, they, their song was in a beer commercial, and it basically turned the entire scene against them. Actually, the band that I'm thinking of is called the Del Fuegos, and they're from Boston. They had a song that they had inside of a beer commercial, and this was like in the 80s. Um, the problem is, at that time, it was so uncool to sell out that they were chastised by their entire fan base, and nobody bought their next record. They were on a major label at the, at the time, and it's so hypocritical. This was a band that was struggling, so they already wrote the song, and they put it in a commercial in order to pay their rent. And then they were hung out to dry by their fans, and the band had to break up. But Dan Zanes himself, the leader of the band, did find later success moving to New York City and becoming a children's artist. Maybe you've heard Dan Zanes. So that's a thing. Whatever. But yeah, these days. But, but those are the kind of like those are the kind of decisions that like take the counterexample. Like yes, absolutely. They just they just want some money. They need money, like to live. That's the uh -huh. society we live in, right? Yep. And yep. 
you know, the rent. They don't care how good your song is. They get their rent money. <laughs> how pure your intentions are, and yes. how you know, like how how they don't care how exploitive beer companies are or whatever. And yeah. uh, but Fugazi would say, okay, I mean, no, we're still we're still we we're gonna have to find a, a different path. And yeah. a little bit of that is, you know, they were they're not they're not all from really hard luck backgrounds. You know, those guys all came from, of course, you yeah. know. Some, middle class, upper middle class, privilege. Uh, yeah. You know, privilege going on there, but but still, like you know, just that, like you know, I, I feel like that was so present for us and for later generations. It wasn't, mm. um, it, it, not to say that they had a choice because they had much less, even less of a choice than 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 yeah. than people did in the nineties. But um, it's you heartwarming know, to know that there was a time and that there was you could do it. Like you could, you could make that choice. You could say, "I want to be in it," but it just sucks that there is no choice anymore. That the, it, it just sucks that, that you can't even yeah. that, that, that there is no concept of selling out. And it's good that we're and, not judging people, but sure. And any band that can do any sort of like modern day version of that, for instance, Radiohead, you know, yeah. like Radiohead. Now you can pay as much as you want for their CD, but I mean, they also sell at Madison Square Garden. You know, right, they can right. do whatever they want to do. Yeah. There, there's, there, you know, I can't think of a single band that comes from that sort of integrity or this style of music that has transcended and like broken through. And there's, I mean, there's a lot of reasons for that. The way that people consume music these days is much different than it used to be. You know, right. it used to be you'd buy a record and be like, I'm going to get the most out of this record because right. it's the record that I dropped my $12 on. And so I'm going to at least find a song, <laughs> you know? And these days it's kind of like, if you don't like it right away, you just, you know, press shuffle or press next. You can turn on something else because you're not paying for it. Right. So you don't care. Yeah. No, it's so, true. I mean, music is still important to people, but only in a in a, in a totally different way. You're right. It's yes. more of a commodity than uh, than a uh, you know, more, more you know uh, than more of like a you know it's important to them like the water in their hot shower is rather than like you know like the sure. gem you know like something that they have to like yes you know, the individual copies of are super important. It's just sort of like yes. it's just all around them, but they still choose and like you know I think the modern day version of Fugazi. Would be someone like uh, you know I have put zero thought into this, but <laughs> which I usually, that's going to be in my tombstone. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> but this is so just you know shooting from the hip, just shooting okay. from the hip here. Go ahead, to, you know the, the, give, that's me, my, give me your best shot. Another tombstone. Um, the maybe someone like Lil Nas X, who instead of building an alternative system. You know, uh, an alternative like infrastructure. He, he's he's saying I'm, I refuse in any way to compromise. You know what the 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 crazy shit I want to do and the like extremely in your face gay and like you know outlandish and you know I'm gonna put the devil in my video and I'm you know I'm I'm gonna do I'm gonna do whatever I want to do within the structure and you can like it or you can not like it but I'm you know I'm I'm gonna build a brand off of being within this scene that is you know often super homophobic right like often like you know really um but also very controlled in that kind of corporate pop hip hop like you know world is like um you know there's a very small pe- amount of people that are allowed to kind of break into that you know the, yeah. the gatekeepers are you know you think like you know j- just because music is very democratized there's still this, this tiny cadre of gatekeepers that allow things to become that 
level of of successful and popular. Yes, but yes. But he, he's managed to do it. He's managed to like within that system build this little like, you know, un un unassailable empire of outlandishness. And it's just like, yeah, fuck it. Like I'm. Gonna, <laughs> Uh, you know, the, you can't, you know, and so his fans are, they identify with that. And they, you know, they, um, that they, they, they're along for that weird, wacky, uh, you know, ride. Yeah, uh, yeah. so you, uh, hungry. Yeah, for sure. Let's eat some pasta. Always. All right, let's do it. Yeah, buddy. That's perfect timing. That was exactly the same time. Nice. How are you? How'd, how'd it turn out, man? I think pretty good. I think pretty good. I haven't really taken a, a real bite yet. Let me no, take nor a have official I. bite. Okay. Um, so did you create the... Um, well, let's tell the people what we're having here. This is a completely vegan... Yep. Vegan pasta with... Um, your traditional tomato sauce, and instead of putting Parmesan, which is a key ingredient to most Italian dishes, um, we made a vegan yeah. style Parmesan, <laughs> which uh, I, I use a half a cup of uh, cashews, Yep. two tablespoons of yeast. What do you call yeah. that yeast? Nutritional yeast. Nutritional yeast. Yeah. Um, half a teaspoon of garlic powder, half a teaspoon of salt. Yeah, um, and I tasted it, and it's not bad. It's something. It's not. It is a thing. Parmesan cheese. No, 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 no. <laughs> but it is something. You know, it tastes only- like yeah, a, an interesting choice. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, um, but I get it. You're gonna get some of that nutty flavor, and that's good. Yeah, I didn't um, blend mine. I crushed it, so okay. it probably I, I, it's more nutty than it probably would be mm-hmm. if I if I had um, and I used salted. Cashews, ah, um, instead I, of the instead of the raw, yeah, which I probably probably would have been. I don't know. What do you think? Um, I, honestly, I would have gone for the um the already salted roasted cashews because I love that flavor. But I went with the raw because that's what the recipe said. That's what it said. Yeah. So, all right, bon appetito. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I'm happy with that. Yeah. Happy with that. All right. Well, Ooh, it's spicy. I made mine super spicy. Did you? I did. I did. I made mine pretty spicy too. That's which good. I I feel that that would be appropriate for Fugazi. They're kind oh, of yeah. a spicy bam. Definitely. Yeah. Well, you need spice to make up for some of the deficiencies flavor-wise <laughs> of non-vegan yeah. turn, of vegan turn, food. Turn the yeah, amps you, up. A, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Turn the amps up a little bit louder. Kind of a thing. Yeah. Um. Um. So the recipe is as such. And this is the way you do it. The Italians do it. Um, I kind of broke a cardinal law right off the bat by mixing onions and garlic together. You can, but typically they like to keep their onions with their onions and their garlic with their garlic. Like they kind of do one or the other. Um, and then the same goes with uh, the greens that you're going you're gonna to pair it with. Like 
Your typically your onions are going to go with sage or rosemary, and then your garlic is going to go with parsley or basil. So when you're putting all that stuff together, like rarely do they just, you know, like your mixed spice, you know, like when I see the Italian seasoning spice packet, it's just really like goes against the all everything. <laughs> the right. idea, the idea is you've got like one thing in there and you're tasting that and that's your job. It's just kind of like the, the basil is good enough to stand on its own. The, the parsley is good enough to stand on its own. Same with the tomatoes. So that out of the way. I cut up a half an onion, diced. I sizzled it for about six, seven minutes. And then I put in uh, three cloves of minced garlic because I like my stuff very garlicky. Traditionally, you just put in like one, maybe two. Even more traditionally, you wouldn't even dice it up. You would just put it in whole. And then at the end, you can decide whether or not to take the garlic out or leave it in there. It's up to you. Uh, after that, we put in a can of Italian-grown tomatoes, a 28-ounce can, uh, a little bit of salt to flavor, uh, and then just let that uh, cook as long as you possibly can. Um, I made mine about two and a half hours ago, and it's just been sort of sitting on the fire on low temperature, just cooking and cooking and cooking. The longer you cook it, the more sweetness is going to come out of the tomatoes um, to bring out the tomato flavor. Because as we said, you're, you're working with very few ingredients, and so every ingredient you use has to bring something to the table, like the members of Fugazi. Oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, after it's cooked for some time, also, I would have put a little bit of wine in it as well. When I was doing the onions, I would have put a splash of wine, but, mm -hmm. you know, I felt with the ethos of, uh, you know, Ian Mackay following the book, no alcohol. But now I just discovered he'll have a beer from time to time. Yeah, I have bet, a beer. I bet he'd even put some Parmesan trees on here if, if, if that's what he had. If it was like, well, eh, maybe. Maybe, maybe. Fair. All right, fair enough. Yeah. I um, think, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe some vinegar might work. Maybe a hit of balsamic might work instead of the wine. I don't know. You're telling mm, me. That's no, good. I don't think, I, no, that, that would be, that's the wrong direction. Um, because the wine is going to bring a little bit of like, just boldness and sweetness to it because you're going to cook the wine. You're going to yeah. technically cook the alcohol out of it, which brings out a little bit more sweetness. Um, vinegar is just kind of more sour, -y, which is delicious in its own right. Um, so yeah, after that, then we uh, boiled some pasta, vegan pasta. I think that mine was a, like a spinach tinged fettuccine. I think uh, chia seeds was the prime ingredient. What did, what did you use, Peter? I went with, I went with uh, uh, orzo. Orzo? A little bit of orzo. I got some grapes in my bowl, too, because I like to, I like grapes. I like to throw a couple. Yeah, I went with orzo. Dang, that's yeah. nice. They were, uh, you know, there was I, a lot of Mediterranean uh, mm. crossovers, cuisine back in the, back in the, in the, in the, in those days, so a lot of vegan restaurants did that kind of like they would have like falafel and pasta and, you know, and, and, or yeah. seemed like the kind of, kind of nice crossover. That's dish. a, that is a killer choice because orzo stands on its own. Right. Like the one thing that I sort of had a problem with was that we were using a pasta that was like transformed from something else. I sort of felt like everything should have been pure and real, but you know, it's much in the way that, you know, even though Ian Mackay is playing through a Marshall amplifier, he's taken the label off of it and put Fugazi 
And he, you know, is like covered up the label, any like label name brand thing. He's still using that stuff, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, so I, yeah, I think, um, and I think the traditional yeast thing works out pretty well, actually. I um, I'm not missing much out of this dish, oh. it being vegan and all. I'm pretty happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, it's really good. It's it's like if you if if you're making the right thing. You know, vegan food is, there's no, it's just a, you know, it's, it's, it's like any other ingredient, yeah. you know, mix. Like you don't absolutely have to, you know, have a certain, you know, especially with, with all this oil, olive oil based cooking, you know, that's, yeah. that's the main, that's the thing that's really doing the majority, giving it the real, like, yeah, it's grease and the half totally. to that, you know, the, the mm-hmm. fat and that's what you need. So, you know, it's good stuff. It's when you try and try and make, Take that to like. What about vegan chicken nuggets? Where you're like, yes, mm-hmm. gonna, no, that's just not going to do it. Like, yeah, you know. which is why I did not um, think to put like a Beyond Burger meat right. inside yeah. of this because that would have yeah. just been yeah too processed. That's not Fugazi style, right? You no, know, it's not exactly. like that's not what it's all about. And also, uh, Fugazi style isn't about open up a can of, of ragu. No, you know, with mushrooms or whatever the heck is in there. Right. You know. You're gonna, you're gonna, because this isn't that hard to make. I mean, it takes a little bit of time, but it's not time like slaving over in an oven. It's just kind of like making sure that it doesn't burn. You know, it's just sitting on your oven, just yeah. roasting really, really slowly. I made um, my own um, uh, pasta sauce with um, my own tomato sauce with probably not Italian traditional, but uh, with the best recipe I could find earlier this year with tomatoes from my garden. Yes. Um, which was really one of the best experiences ever, you know, just being at like, like, you know, you do this, and that is labor intensive, right? You gotta, cause you gotta, you yes. gotta take the skins off. You, they don't even want you to have skin. Yes. You gotta boil the tomatoes and then peel off the skin carefully and throw the skin away. And then, yes. and then that's, it was like, it was like six hours or something sitting on, <laughs> on the pot, just like slowly turning from like a lot of tomatoes, a lot of other stuff into, into sauce. Yeah. But, I gotta say, it was one of the that was one of the best things that yes. I, you know that, that was definitely the best thing I've ever personally made. You know, <laughs> it was great. I, yeah, I I did the same thing over the Corona holiday um, in Italy because I spent ten months there. So we arrived in July, which is like right when the tomatoes are peaking. So we, I mean, every day we just walk out to the garden and just eat fresh tomatoes with whatever it is that we're doing. But one day I just said, you know what? I'm making tomato sauce. And yeah, that tomato sauce was so incredible. Just like the bursting the flavor. And yes, the work, the time that you put into it. And then you have this jar of happiness, you know? <laughs> and it's not as many jars as you think you're going to have. If right. you get done, you're like, I only have three jars yeah. of this stuff? <laughs> but uh, every time you bring that out, it's a very precious commodity. It's like, this is, you know, today is a special day. Because we're going to crack open, <laughs> you know, yeah. my very, you know, my Italian <laughs> tomato sauce that I made in Italy, you know, or where, from your garden, your own sweat and hard work. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's not an easy yeah. thing to do, but man, what a treat. Growing, growing tomatoes is, is actually, it's hilariously like, like once you, once you kind of re- read a, read app article about it, yeah. pretty, pretty easy. Like mm-hmm. they, they just kind of take care of themselves. And I did <laughs> well, very little. Like, I just watered them. That was about it. Like, you know, got them all set up and watered them. And then next thing I knew, it was like, 
I have too many goddamn tomatoes. Like I had to like invite <laughs> some neighbor kids over to have a tomato fight with each other because I was like, I don't know what else to do with them. There's like yeah. so many tomatoes. Do you, you put know? them in the ground or do you have them in pots? Um, I I have uh, I have raised beds. Uh, you know, like okay. a, like a tiered raised bed. A couple of those that are really perfect for for tomatoes. But it's basically it's mostly just ground dirt. I don't you know, use a little topsoil. And, yeah. You know, I'm lucky I moved into a place during the pandemic that uh, the lady was a gardener and she was, you know, she was moving out. And oh, she already moved, had the stuff. And ready she for was you? all set up. That bed was all set up. And, you know, That's they were awesome. already, there was, she even left a couple of tomatoes. You know, not that we could, you know, reuse the vines, but I could just, she left all the, all the like, you know, yeah, the, 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 the yeah, uh-huh. oh, man. little skeletons was, that they grow on. So I was like, all right, I guess I'm a gardener now. I guess I got to figure this out. <laughs> so I learned everything. What a gift this year! Oh, I know. That's incredible. It was a miracle. Yeah, nice. So um, you were having some issues with my dish. You were thinking huh? that maybe we should have went in a different direction. No, with no, this food? no. I I'm curious about the the thought. Only that, um, you know, they're not. Um, I, I see. I see. I see it as very traditional. I see, you know, pasta, pasta sauce, very traditional, and Fugazi is very, is, uh, you know, they, they definitely had a lot of influence. But before and after, it's really hard to hard for me to. There's a lot of like pieces that they took from different places, but but yeah. they seem they seem like such an original to me. Like they're so they're so like, but your but but your fundamental premise is right in that. They're, they they're just a they're a rock band you know the 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 elements are very simple and the and and also you know just like you know they're not they're not like you know doing a bunch of like you know bizarre chords and time signatures and so it's not, they're not like super technical like you know elaborate sure. yeah, yeah yeah it is very simple usually the you know, songs in like you know like three chords essentially you know sure yeah but. They, and they they do have those accidental chords in there sometimes too, you know. It's, but it's kind of yeah. like you know that's part of their you know experimenting in their art side right. and, um, but also you know there are a couple of strong ties to Italy that this band has. Oh, okay. Um, you know, guy, you know how to pronounce his last name? Guy. First off, it is Guy. It's Guy. Yeah, no, I. It's it, not Picciotto. If it were, that if, sounds right. If it were Italian, it would be Guy Picciotto. Would be his yeah. name. Um, uh, uh, obviously Italian. Um, also, and I kind of discovered this when I was re-watching the instrument documentary, um, there's a moment where backstage, Joe is like studying Italian. He's got, he has a textbook out. He's writing down Italian sentences. I obviously never caught that before, but I did this yeah. time and I was like, what's going on there? So I checked it out. Um, it says that he and his wife and child lived in Rome for a number of years huh. and actually just returned in 2015. Um, I don't, so I don't exactly know when they went. Perhaps it was in 2003 when the band officially went on hiatus. Um, but, you know, I, I, don't know, I don't know who his wife is or what took them to Italy. I'm going to guess. Maybe, maybe his wife. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. That is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Brand, Brandon hung back. Brand, Brandon is the drummer. He's been doing a lot of uh, soundtrack work for documentaries and whatnot uh, because he's a multi-instrumentalist, not just a drummer. As I said you know, said before, he actually brought in riffs and plays piano. Um, there is a demo that is on the instrument soundtrack that he is actually playing piano on that uh, Ian is singing over top of. Um, 
and also played drums on a uh, Bob Mould record. Hmm. I, I just discovered. Um, yeah, I found that. It is the album District Line, put out in uh, 2008. Oh, yeah. That was, and, that was a su- successful one. That was pretty, that went well. Yeah. You know, part of the reason that they insist that their lighting can only just be white lights. Mm-hmm. You know, they just keep it super simple because they know the show exists in that performance that they're bringing. And they do a thing that I thought is really cool. Actually, I do this with um, the event band that I'm in, where they choose the first song, and then after that, whoever sang it, the next, the other singer, like if, if it's an Ian song, mm-hmm. then Gee will choose the next song. And then they'll just go back and forth. On the fly. Just on like, the fly. We're doing this. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, you know, because they played so much longer, it, it can be as simple as, like, somebody can just start going into the song and, like, the rest of it will know it. Or maybe they, they mention it. But, you know, that's, that's, that's how they do it. That's how they stay in the moment, which, now yeah, I love. You've got to be incredibly tight, right? You've got to be ready to play any song at any time. Like, Pretty much. And it seemed like those guys could play any song in their catalog at any time. Like they were all they were all in the hopper, ready to go. Yeah. 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 It was also the kind of music that you could kind of fake it. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> just just play some harmonica, you know, just like kind of play a scratch chord and it would sound right. Like, yeah. a little bit. like you That's know, true. like there's a lot of times where it just seems like I think the only the only really um, stable thing here is the drum beat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and everything else. Yeah, you know, like just like let it go. Yeah, but, that must have been yeah. a lot of fun to be in that band. God, yes, <laughs> yeah. Which is so funny that like so. I mean, you know, I, there really aren't that many bands influenced by them. You know, like I feel like they kind of cornered the market on their thing. Um, I mean, not influenced musically by them. Like lots and lots of like were, you know in bands because of them or or, or you know you know. Um, aesthetically kind of in the same realm, like lots of emo bands, like, you know, they were in the same realm, but none of them were as, you know, like Jawbox, one of my favorite bands ever, you know, super inspired by them, like founded because of them. Like, you know, a lot of them, some of the musical elements are the same, but they still, there was just, to me, they're just sound so different. Like they're, they're much more, they're much more, um, organized, <laughs> you know, like they're more, they're yeah. more, they're tighter, and their and their their songs are are very songwritery, and mm-hmm. they're good, they're great, but like Fugazi just always feels like every song is just like it's sort of being improvised, like as it's being played in a way that like I don't know, it's it's hard for me to think of other, especially much later, especially like once the two thousands came around like recent bands that are that are that are fugazi sounding to me it's it's hard for me to think of any yeah that's true they you're right they really cornered a certain sound um but also put it in a way that they were able to really expose their personalities as musicians Mm. you know um like when brendan plays in that band or when he plays with other bands you can still hear his influence like he, you know, as we said, did that Bob Mould record. Currently is the drummer of the, what do they call it? The MC550, MC50, which is the current version of the MC, MC5, which is like yeah. a super group of like him, Kim Thale from Soundgarden. Mm. Uh, the only surviving member of MC5s is Wayne Kramer. Yeah. Um, but the, they got the singer of Zen Gorilla. Oh yeah. Is there's yeah, which is the perfect choice if you ask me cuz I remember seeing him before and it's just like 
he he really embodies that spirit of the original singer of MC5. Rob Tyner. Bob Tyner? Rob Rob Tyner, that's the that singer. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Total um, maniac. Yeah. Uh, you know, all that said, if you take the elements of a Fugazi song, you know, or you know, or Fugazi as like a like their 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 formula, right? What you know, like quiet sort of open string you know, stuff that's like sort of moody, like, you know, like one or two chords, but played with like, you know, like those kind of open string playings, then super loud, dynamic, screaming about your emotions. Like bands in the 90s took that and were like, okay, well, what if it sounded a little bit like this? And then they took that, essentially that formula is like the, the outline of emo that like then, mm-hmm. like then bands like Sunday Real Estate or something, Yes, were in like they they so, you know they they wanted to be like that they wanted to be like sound like Gee but they mm-hmm. they sounded like totally different they, yeah. but then they whatever that formula that they did was incredibly in, you know imitable and so like then yes the the two thousands like emo and then that transforms know, into like Foo Fighters oh, that's true yeah yeah I think they're they're kind of like the one rock band not the one but I mean. It, they're the closest. They're the closest relation, I would say, to like Fugazi that's out there right now. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I think yeah. That's an interesting. Um, yeah. And another interesting point. Did you hear that when Fugazi first formed and Ian was trying to find a drummer, he had considered Dave Grohl. Well, he was big in the scene. He was one of the yes, best drummers in the DC scene, right? Yeah, so, he was in Scream. It, it, yeah. like the time that he was going to give him a call was the exact time that Nirvana had just called him and said, that "Well, we need a guy." So if Nirvana wouldn't have called him, he'd have been the drummer for Fugazi. That would have been a different, a pretty different, pretty wildly different world. Because, you know, as good as um, as Dave Grohl is, he's, he doesn't have any funk. Like he just does not Whoa. have the funk. Sure and that was him. that was also one of the most interesting things about Fugazi's like music. Like I listen, re-listening to them, you know, for, for to talk about them. So many of their like, you know, I remember them being kind of like vaguely kind of reggae influenced, a little bit of bad brains, mm-hmm. a little bit of clash, all you know, kind of style of that like reggae punk. Yeah. But then some of their like they're like really like in the pocket in a way that yeah. like you know, more like Rage Against the Machine almost. You know what I mean? Style like rap rock, you know, proto rap rock like level sure, of like yeah, yeah. funkiness. Hey, there's another strange. influence. Rage Against the Machine, I'm sure, sure. is very indebted to Fugazi. Absolutely. There's yeah. got to be true. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure Tom Morello would say that. Any more Fugazi stories? Thinking. That's about it. That's yeah. about, that's about my, 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 my story of <laughs> Fugazi knowledge. <laughs> Empty the clip. All right, Peter, thank you so much for joining me for this episode of This Band Could Be Your Food. Thank you for having me. That was a lot of fun. Let's do it again sometime. Yeah, anytime. All right, ciao. Be well. Mr. Heinemann to you. Nah, you can call him Peter. He's a good guy. Thanks so much for being on the show, buddy. And thanks, everybody, for listening. That was a very thorough and nourishing talk about Fugazi and tomato sauce. Go ahead and make yourself some tomato sauce, but do not use that much garlic. I accidentally told him to use uh, an entire bulb of garlic when I meant to say clove of garlic. Two very different things. But at least he's not going to have to worry about vampires for a while, and that's good, because he's in Massachusetts. There's all kinds of evil seeping out of Massachusetts, or so they say. 
And thanks again to Izzy's Coffee for keeping us juiced up for that whole conversation. Next week, we're going to be talking about David Bowie. I'll be talking with a fella named Michael T. I haven't met Michael yet, so I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm hoping you can tune into it. I guess we're going to have to bring up the fact that he did that song with Bing Crosby around the holiday season back in, I believe it was 1977. So we'll try to share some of the inside stories on that one. Until then, everyone, enjoy your lunch. My name is Nathan Palin. Thanks for tuning in to This Bank. Be your food, cook on, and rock out. Ciao, ciao.